Welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He's Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And we hope you sold your GameStop stock in episode 211 today, February 4th, 20. 21. We are going to be doing what we always do, catching up with each other before going right into our topic of the day, which is the GameStop stock story, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in your podcast provider of choice detailed section below. Or if you've tried to say that three times fast, about 10 times in a row. That that too. That too, indeed. <clears throat> so, Steve, uh, how is your week going? Well, Ross, week is going okay. Um, Just okay? It's going okay. I'll see, I, I'll see, Steve. I have to start out by saying I was twitching over the weekend. Where are you now? By myself. By your lonesome. So this was not the Wednesday night no. stream that we normally do at 9.30 p.m. Central Time, is it? No, Steve? actually it was, uh, we got off the phone and you said, hey, you know what, you should probably twitch a little bit. Yeah. And so I said, yeah, it's probably not the day to Twitch, Russ. You know, I'm not really feeling it. And you're like, yeah, nah, just go ahead and do it. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll do it. And so my Twitch experience was Final Fantasy squats. Uh-huh. Now the question is, though, with which character? We'll go with Cloud, Russ. Oh, okay, well. well I, who else is there? I'm not going to say, Steve. Well, you I, never know. You never know. I was... Who, my else Mr. participate in that gym, Steve. Mr. Strife. And I won all three competitions, Russ. Oh, good for you, Steve. But it was basically me squatting the entire time I was on Twitch. It's because you don't cheat on leg day, Steve. That's why. That's right. I'm proud of you. And then it was me trying to defeat the Hell House, of which it got to be all the way until dinner time. Mm. In the and game I, or in real life? In real life. Ah. And I had died about seven times. And I thought, I'll hang up the towel. Forget this. I'm going to get something to eat. And then I went one more time after I stopped the Twitch. <laughs> and then I beat the thing. I smote my enemy upon the mountainside. Very nice. Well, the Coliseum. But that is a nice Coliseum. I, I enjoy is. my yeah. battles uh, in there. But I will say, I remember playing the original Final Fantasy VII around that time, and just that that area of the game is just odd. Like, you don't know if you're like for Cloud or you're you're finding it humorous what he's doing, or you're just finding it awkward. The whole the whole part of the game right there is just weird. It is very weird. I, I think it's it's the the area where the game designers thought to themselves, we have to make this game longer. We have to put we have to inject more. Hours of gameplay. How do we go about that? And yeah, it is. It's a very odd section Forced, of the game. Yeah. It's like, why does this, why did they have to put this in? This, it, the story makes no sense in this part of the game. <laughs> absolutely no sense. <laughs> the story makes absolutely zero sense. So anyhow, I did pass that and am progressing. And so I thought I would just let you know that. I will also let you know. Mm. I have been mandoing it up. Almost every night this week. Excellent. That's what I like to hear, Steve. I just watched the Gunslinger uh -huh. episode. Uh huh. And, um, you oh. know, they're, they're. What? I was going to ask you, which episode number is that? It's like five or six. Five or six, okay. Yeah. Of season one. Of season one. 
And uh, you know, the, the, the show is just littered with little nuggets of goodness in it. Uh-huh. Uh, I, you know, there was a scene, of course, in that one where he sees the sand people. Yep. No spoiler, it's in the Star Wars universe. So well, he sees, just, just be careful what you say. I, I, okay. But I, I thought back to episode four. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, something's going to happen just like it did in episode four. And it didn't. And it happened actually very tastefully, very cool, unexpected. I was like, yeah. You, you actually I, get to learn a bit about the sand people, don't you? And they're not like terrible. I know. It's, that, that is one of the ingredients that makes that show so awesome. Is like they take certain species or alien races that you see in just these fleeting moments in the movies and they really start to flesh them out and make them a lot more three-dimensional in terms of, of where they come from, who they are, why they act, the way they act. There's like a method to everything. Continue. Is Pedro Pascal behind the mask or is he just the voice? I'm not going to tell you, Steve. It could be one or it could be the other. Because it... it mm. The nonverbal language definitely follows very close suited to what is actually spoken. And that leads me to believe that he is behind the mask. The the actor that does the physical emoting for The Mandalorian, I really like. I really like. So it's not Pedro Pascal. I'm not telling you one Ah. way or the other, Steve. Not going to tell you one way or the other. Uh, But when it comes to... All of the of the physical performances, not just from uh, the Mandalorian, but also the other creatures, and even the 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 human actors in there too. And again, you're just getting started. Like uh, you're in a really great position because you're going to continue going through season one. You have a few more episodes in that season, and you have season two. I mean, season two, like just like. Season one was like, like the by the end of season one, you're like, whoa, okay, that was a really cool way to end season one. Season two is like, it's almost like Lord of the Rings, two towers, you know, like when, when the movie starts, I mean, it thrusts you right back in. Like there isn't any kind of boring exposition, whatever. Like it's, I would say with the exception of maybe one episode that I didn't care for, like all the other episodes in season two, I'm just like, whoa, they ate their Wheaties for this. So I'm glad that you are a late bloomer and you were actually partaking in the pop culture phenomenon known as the Mandalorian. It, um, it, it, a lot of the dialogue is actually like not Star Warsy or what we've been accustomed to with Star Wars. It's more like kind of like regular day. Yes. Today. Yes. Which is absolutely fine. It's kind of a fresh take. And I did lo- enjoy seeing uh, Gina Carano. Yes. I mean that was freaking awesome. That, I don't think she. I didn't. I did not imdib her. Before the show. So I know she's been UFCing it up for a while. So this might have been her first take. If this is her first take, she did a great job. Indeed. On camera. So um what are you doing, my microphone? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just attempting to to align it more to your mouth. Or sounding sighting me. <laughs> totally losing my oh <laughs> good job. Now I'm spitting directly into the mic. Hey, wait, wait, let me just let me just make a, a little, little adjustment here for you. Hey, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyhow, that's been about it. Um, I, my wife has been playing Crash Bandicoot Nitro. 
I'm glad that she has continued to do so, Steve. So she unintentionally pretty much ruined my Xbox controller. Well, that is actually, I would say, a blessing in disguise because I right. recall you being a cheapo and getting some sort of bizarro no, third-party controller no. thing. It no. was definitely not no. an official Xbox no. controller, which you should have bought from the get-go, Steve. No. What it is, I didn't want to keep on putting the controller on the recharge station. So I bought a wired controller so that I didn't have to keep on recharging it. We see with the PlayStation, I could play for a little bit and then I have to go plug the thing back in because I, I can't play anymore. I have to recharge the controller. Right. With the wired controller, I don't have that problem. So, so now what you're telling me is you are now controllerless. Almost. <laughs> and this is basically what happened before, although um, because the, the control, it's like a little micro USB tip that's made with like real basic Elmer's glue and like tin metal. And so if you put like any kind of like bend or friction or anything on it, it, uh, it it doesn't make contact as well as it should inside the controller to uh, send signal, give power, do what it needs to do. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, it renders it almost useless. Useless? So that, that's what happened with my previous controller. Oh. And with this one, pretty much the same thing. So she had put the controller down and she was... Bringing the seat right, I don't, the opposite of recline. I don't know whether we're like, it's, it's not the time of day. I'm talking too much. Uh, sit up. Well, she, well, there's a <laughs> word for it. Yeah, sit up. But I mean, you know, you can sit back or you can recline. You sit up or you what? Uh, I don't know. So anyhow, the controller got caught in the mechanism and ended up kind of bending that bit again. So if everything is just not lined up exactly, it doesn't make contact. And so therefore, sometimes I can't turn it on. I can't turn the Xbox on through the controller Steve. and I can't keep the controller on to play the game. You just, we have a GameStop that's local. Just go there and get a new controller, Steve. That's all you need to do. You know, that we're getting stimulus money here in the not-too-distant future. You're going to have plenty of funds. Just, just, you know, in fact, you could buy two. Get, get one for the wife. That way, she'll have her own controller. You have your own controller. It'll be peachy king. Sounds great, Russ. Yeah. And then um, I watched you Twitch on Wednesday. Indeed. Yes. What did you think? Boring, actually. It was slower than I anticipated. Yes. I'm glad you finally found the tie clip, Russ. <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we could segue into that, unless you have anything else that you yeah. did over the week. But, uh, About it. Okay, so on uh, this past Wednesday, uh, which is the uh, the night that we always t tend to do our Joygasm stream, it's uh, 9.30 p.m. Central Time, we decided to check out the Medium, which just came out, I think, last week, if I'm not mistaken, on Xbox Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, it's free, which is nice. So I have a number of... <laughs> and we like free. <laughs> we do. <laughs> uh, when it comes to the um, the list of, of comments that I have, first of all, 
the uh, the environments are actually really nice. So like, yeah, going I, through. Did you like the detail? In the, I the did like the little, uh, the foresty stuff. Yeah, yeah, or even like when when you start out, you start out. I guess in either your apartment or it's like it seemed like it was it was Jack's Jack's apartment. Yeah, yeah. So, so this this uh, this father figure, this mentor of sorts has just passed away, and so you are preparing to say your goodbyes uh, and and go to the morgue, I guess, and, and uh, have them cremated or something. I don't know. You're, but you're in that kind of phase. I really liked all the details, though, like as you're going around looking at stuff. What was crazy, though, is that from a gameplay perspective, it was totally Resident Evil from the 90s. Yeah. That's what it was. Like, you walk from one room to the other, and suddenly there's a, a camera change to, to show off that particular room. And what happens is like, I, I'm completely disoriented because now if I'm going left, I'm actually going like down or up or something. And I have to like reorient myself. So it's like up. It, it, like if you, if you have the controller in your hand and you push up, up is the direction the character is facing. So if the, if, if I'm facing you up, is forward. If mm-hmm. I'm facing left, then up is left. Kind of, sort of, yeah. It's it's weird. It's like you're you're holding the analog stick in a certain direction, which is causing the character to go the direction that you want the the character to go. But then, as soon as the camera cuts to another camera perspective, even though I'm still holding that direction, like in that new camera area, it's like it, it, the character suddenly goes a totally different direction. So then you have to like stop with analog stick and then, you know, trying to figure out, okay, oh, I go this way to go that particular direction. So it's, it's not a huge deal, but it was definitely like, ah, okay, this is, this is how it is. And I think I remember commenting even during the stream about how I'm not sure if that was intentional by the developers, because it is like a survival horror, uh, cerebral psychological thriller type game. And I could totally see that being like a, a minor kind of thing where like, as you play, it just kind of keeps you off kilter, like offset as a gamer where you're like, wait, I need to go no this way. And, and that combined with all the other things in the game, I think probably add up to you feeling unsettled or it could just be a pig, uh, overlook oversight. I don't know about, it. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think that it was intentional. I don't know if it was meant to keep you unsettled. I just, I, I wonder if that's how they wanted the camera to pan through the environments and they wanted the camera angle to change on a whim. And depending on where the camera was, if it was like diagonal up here, but now you were over here when you were over here, then you just kind of have to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was an interesting experience. I'm not excited to keep playing it. it it definitely reminded me of certain titles that honestly you played more of like silent hill yeah. or resident evil or oh, there were a couple others that, that that came to mind as i was playing it um i imagine i'll probably still play it here and there a little bit but it's definitely not one like cyberpunk which by the way i've been playing a whole lot more of i don't even i can't even tell you steve i couldn't even tell you how many hours i got in that game now so many hours and I'm still not even done yet. Not even done. Not even close. Got tons of stuff to do, Steve. Tons of stuff. I know who would know. Who? Brad. Uh, maybe. 
Well, isn't it all recorded on your little Xbox game Here's, app thing? Okay, so not in the in the case of Cyberpunk. Apparently, it's up to the developer whether or not they want to share that information. And when you go into your Xbox profile and you look into the details section of you know any particular game, in this case, Cyberpunk, there's nothing to be had, which is a bummer because I was like, man, I really want to see how many hours I've invested in this game. And for whatever reason, they have not made that information available. Though, therefore, I have no idea. Odd. None whatsoever. But, however, I have run into my fair share of bugs on the console version. So I, I, I'm more and more and really feeling bad for those of you like you uh, who have been accosted by those bugs over and over, Steve, over and over. I've had the game crash on me several times on the console version. I've seen some really bizarro things happen. I've fallen through the world uh, multiple times. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to look at uh, the world of Night City when you're underneath it looking up. So, yeah, there, there's been quite a few things. And it's like, my goodness, yeah, this is a completely different situation on the console as it was on uh, PC, or not as it was, but as opposed to being on PC. PC, it is a fabulous experience. But I, just, I keep coming back for more, Steve. I just love it. I am going to hold off playing as much as I can. I think you should wait probably another six months, Steve. Jeez. Uh, well, actually, maybe not that long. Maybe three months. Maybe something like that. It's up to you. It's up, it's, it's, it's up to you. Uh, I, honestly, uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna remind you again, Steve. Your birthday is coming up. Your birthday. Oh, his birthday is next week. It's amazing. And by the way, he's turning the big four zero. You see, he's on the front porch of the house party that is forty. People are inviting him inside, and he doesn't want to come in. He likes being in his thirties. But it's one of those things where you just can't control, Steve. <laughs> People have got their arms around your back. They're, they're like, hey, come on in. No, no, I don't. It's too loud. It's too loud. Turn it down. I got, I got places to go. I got play. I, 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 I don't need to be here. Don't put this drink in my hand. I don't want it. Oh, nonsense. Come on in. I got to wake up in the morning. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's going to be a milestone, Steve. It's going to be a milestone. You are exiting your 30s, and you're going to be experiencing what it's like to be in your 40s. 30s were amazing. The 30s were pretty fun, I must say. One of the things uh, that I thought was worth talking about is um, I came across some stamps, Steve. Does this have anything to do with my birthday? <clears throat> no, not at all. But uh, there are a bunch of brand new Star Wars stamps that are going to be making their way to us sometime soon. And they depict all kinds of like classic droids from the universe of Star Wars, as well as some of the more current ones like BB-8 and uh, K2SO. So uh, I cannot help, but when I look at them, I think about how I am going to collect every single one of them because I am a Star Wars nut. And I love the idea that it's like, you remember when we were kids and like the like stamps were so boring. They, like they, they didn't have anything that like, was it? Uh, Here's a tree. Yeah. It was like there were, there was nothing that was cool <laughs> or, or appealing or whatever. Here's and a bell. <laughs> hey, look, it's Susan B. Anthony again. <laughs> 
And now we get all these cool things where it's like, oh my goodness, like I actually want to collect. Like I, I've actually collected tons like, of Pixar stamps now. <laughs> I'm going to be getting these Star Wars ones. I'm hopeful that maybe we can get some uh, video game character stamps, unless mm. they they've done that already. I, I, I don't keep close tabs on the stamp industry, but this was something that I was like, ooh. Oh, I, 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 I'm going to need to take a little roll of those. I would like some Lord of the Rings stamps. See, that would be cool, too. You should take a look, Steve, and find out whether or not they have actually come out. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on that, Russ. Uh-huh. I'll get on that probably after my 40th birthday. I have a funny story for you, Steve. Oh, this week. So, as you know, my daughter is really into playing on Xbox, which is awesome. And she's six years old. She uh, has been going back into doing some... Uh, she took a break from Animal Crossing. Oh. And now she is going back on Xbox and she is playing Viva Pinata. Uh-huh. She, she's always been a fan of Viva Pinata. Viva Pinata. <laughs> but... So... Um, <laughs> this was like in the evening time. My wife and I were downstairs. <laughs> we had just finished dinner. We were just hanging out on the couch talking and stuff. And she decides, my daughter decides to go upstairs and uh, play the game. Well, apparently she, like, like, like <laughs> we're, we're just sitting there just talking and stuff. And we hear some sort of like otherworldly, like tearing of the space time continuum rift. Like, like literally like, like when Loki like caused that, that, that rift in, in the sky from the Avengers, it was like that. Like it creeped Leslie and I out. We were just like, what the, what the heck is that? It was like this, this really low bassy, just weird vibration. I mean, it, it did not sound like anything I'd ever sound before. And I hear my daughter freaking out upstairs. And then it, I suddenly realized, oh my goodness, she turned the volume up. Oh, Only gosh. she didn't just turn the volume up. Like I've never heard my system that loud before. Like, like like Back to the Future one, the very beginning. Yes, yeah, totally. It was like because I have a five point one um, surround sound system. I mean, it's a pretty serious system. I mean, <laughs> I hear her freaking out and screaming, and she's coming. She's running out of the room with holding her uh, her ears and her face is flush red and she's crying. Like apparently when she got down to the first floor, she just collapsed onto the carpet and was crying and everything else. So then dear old dad had to go up there and uh, try and figure out how to turn it off. Only I couldn't find the remote control because when my daughter freaked out about that, she dropped it somewhere. And so (laughs) just picture me coming in while the Viva Pinata intro cinematic song thing, you know, all this crazy stuff going on. And it's like, I don't even know how loud it was. I couldn't even, I didn't have time to even look at the receiver and see but it's like I'm fighting against the sound waves, trying to hold my own ears. I finally find the controller and I'm able to turn it down. But oh my goodness, like I, I, I totally thought that uh, she blasted out like the speakers <laughs> themselves. <laughs> Apparently, they still function. Uh, but that was just one of the things where, like afterwards, um, we all had a good laugh about it, and she was able to laugh about it too. Eventually, but I mean, she was really traumatized. Godly, you know. I, ha- I do have a just a, a real quick story, nothing to do with that, but about the sound being loud. When I used to work for the good guys, which has gone out of business for years, there was a time the when- The good geezers. Yeah. 
There was a time when we were trying to sound tune one of the rooms. And usually what would happen, there were like three rooms with a bunch of different speakers, subwoofers, receiver, uh, one receiver with a bunch of speakers, actually. And there was like a switcher board where you could select, okay, I want to listen to this pair of speakers with that sub and then these surrounding, whatever. I remember that. And so what happens oftentimes is well, people will wander in there and they go, I don't need anybody to help me out. I'll just uh, figure this out on my own. And if they can't figure it out, they've cranked the volume all the way up. Like, it's not doing anything. Maybe if I keep on turning it and turning it and turning it. Well, we all went in there like, what's going on with this? And then some guy goes, oh, I think I know it. And he go, and I'm standing in the middle like, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) wonder what's going to happen. And I had this rush of, wait, 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 wait. Let's check the volume. Right as he clicks something on the receiver and everything goes like, like that. And I, I could see like the, almost like it was a, the, the sound wave itself <laughs> and my clothes, like my slacks went whoosh like that. Like they, they moved to the edge of my yeah. leg just like that. You, and I walked back out and my ears were ringing. You got a kind of a, a hint of what it must be like to be on the receiving end of the Black Canary scream. By the way, we should say hmm. that we're actually on video right now. And so when we're saying this and that and all this, what and whatever, me and no one's going to know until they go on Patreon for this time being. What and we're what, actually going to talk about. What is the Patreon link, Steve? <laughs> Patreon.com slash joygasm. Very good. Very good. Steve. Thanks, Russ. <laughs> Thanks. I was a little curious <laughs> whether you not you knew what the link was. You think I'm not listening what I'm actually listening. <laughs> oh, okay. You're sitting there like, Joy Guys. <laughs> What's our name? <laughs> I ended up watching the latest episode of WandaVision, and I'm here to tell you because you probably have not seen the latest episode. Nope. Been waiting to see if it gets good from you. Episode four gets good. Ah. You start to get context as to what the heck is going on in that show. And as a result, I'm here to tell you, it has kind of a bit of a X-Files-ish ah. kind of a introduction to what we have Sweet. already kind of seen. David Duchovny making parents? No. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting you to watch it because I think... You're going to start to to turn a corner, Steve. I really do. I think I, I think uh, this is going to be the the start of something beautiful because we're finally able to kind of understand. Okay, now we know somewhat mm. what's happening. Some stuff's kind of creepy, a little creepy, Steve. Well, creepy is better than what it's been going on, Russ. I'll take creepy. You can short it or buy it. Oh, it's the topic of the day. Topic of the day is the GameStop stock story. This is something that has been in development and developing. 
I would say over the course of, well, in terms of when the story started to, to reach critical mass, about a week or so. However, it's been a bit longer than that. About a week and a half. Week and a, week and a quarter. Week and a quarter. Week and a quarter. So I have a ton of notes because actually there was a lot. I don't, I don't know if you had a chance to look at all the links. But there, there has been a deluge of different types of details and information that's coming from different parties and whatnot. I've done my best to try and make sense of it. Okay, you want me to distill what you have? A distill? Yeah, I can, I can really just can just squeeze off the 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 the, the nitty gritty of it. Well, okay, so I'm gonna. I, I have decided I'm going to partition the information into these buckets oh, to help make sense okay. of it. <clears throat> that was weird. My that throat. My throat just decided to uh, disgusting. Not offer me any oxygen. I was um, usually your lungs do that, Russ. But the, the throat <laughs> is the <laughs> the gatekeeper. You know, it's it's like it's like the throat knows the lungs want the air. The throat's just kind of like no, we're going on strike. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, a bunch of folks on Reddit, um, who are um, these. Users that trade stocks, um, they expose the entire American financial establishment pretty much as the fraudulent and corrupt scam of a system that it is, that we all kind of had an inkling of, but couldn't really like show it for what it is. And so it's been a very... And like, like just an eye opener of a ride. And so I thought it'd be fun to have the first section is what I call once upon a time, Steve. <laughs> so as you know, the GameStop stock situation is so absurd. Um, if you think about the, over the past three years, GameStop has been struggling as a business. You know, and we've actually had plenty of news articles on here that we've commented on and everything else regarding how GameStop as a brick and mortar type of business is struggling because of places like Amazon or other online entities that sell video games, that sell the consoles, that sort of thing. And as a result, like there was one story we were talking about where they've closed down a number of stores, right? And so that's been... Um, something that that's been in the back of our minds also like with COVID-19 happening. I mean, that was a, a, another really bad hit to their business. So as a result, if you were to look at their stocks um, back in the day, like, and it wasn't even that far away, I would say like just a year ago, like back in 2019, the stock itself was was trading at about three to four dollars a share. I mean, here we are. This is this is still in 2020. This is uh, three dollars and forty seven cents, three dollars and sixty cents. And if you go back farther, like I said, into 2019, it actually got as low as three dollars a share. So it was really suffering there for a while. Um, and what has been just incredible is that just within. I would say um, the last couple of weeks, like what you're talking about, you see how all of a sudden there is this uh, rapid rise in terms of the price where, and it doesn't even necessarily show on this, uh, this Google chart here, this finance chart that I'm showing you. 
Um, it's, it says right here, it's $347.51 a share. It actually went higher than that. I think it was about $389 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was pretty close to 400 It was incredible. So this has been a story that, that that's just amazing because um, there, there are things about it that... I never, I never anticipated to happen. And what was crazy was like, I have to inject this really quickly. And that is that, um, I was actually wanting to, I was thinking about like, like investing money into GameStop last year, Mm. but not because of this. I didn't even know about this. It was because I knew that the new systems were coming out and based off of prior generations of, of systems that come out every time there's always shortages, right? And everyone's feverishly trying to buy the systems. And that's always a banner year for places like GameStop. So I was thinking, okay, the stock is so low that I'm sure I could probably, you know, get a nice return on my investment. I could probably, you know, sell it like 20 bucks a share or something like that, you know, nice little tidy profit. I wish I acted on that because it is insane. I mean, like, like I, I, I busted out the calculator, Steve. I busted out the calculator. Here we go. So let's say, for instance, that I had $1,000 and I invested it into GameStop when it was $3 a share. That would give me 333 shares, Steve. Now, if I would have held on to those shares at the height, and let's just say $389. Let's just do that. That means that I will, I would have had $129,537, Steve. And if I want to be more accurate, if I take the $1,000 I invested out of that, then that would just leave me with $128,537. So that means like over like a, like a year and a half-ish time period, that would have been a really nice return on that there investment, Steve. Let's say, for instance, you put in $5,000, at $3 a share. That would give you 1,000. You got 5,666 shares. If you multiply that by what it's worth at the height, you would be sitting today at $648,000, Steve. Huh. I Insane. I'll, I think I'll take a day off of work if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nuts. I, I never thought that GameStop would have, like, at least when it came to the stock, I never thought that we would see something like this. Um, so the perception is that GameStop is a mainstay in the public gaming consciousness. So like that, that's one of the things that I think that the gaming community has wrestled with over time is that, you know, you and I have talked about physical copy versus digital download, right? The GameStop stores, it's like this love-hate relationship because on the one hand, they've kind of turned their business model into something where it's like you walk through the door and they're trying to upsell you on everything. You're yes. like, dude, I just want to buy my game. Yeah. I want to leave. That's all I want to do. You want a pre-sale? No. You want a warranty? No. <laughs> do you want a phone card? What? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But at the same time, the love side of it is, is that GameStop is known nationally as just a part of the heartbeat of video gaming, right? Like if you, if you drive by a GameStop, it's like, yeah, you know, Aww. that's a place that, you know, it, it sells games. I like games. Not to mention they're like one of the last companies to do so. Despite like other like targets and whatnot, bigger stores and stuff, purely games. You got GameStop and then what? 
Yeah, and there's other places like Best Buy. And, uh, right, but like, yeah, huge, bigger store, like huge multi-product yeah. stores, yeah. Yeah, but GameStop was like kind of more of the more focused, you know, the par, par, part of the, uh, part of family, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So anyway, um, what's interesting is that the brand recognition has driven Wall Street bets, and I'll get to them in just a minute, um, to embrace this brand that, that has now been struggling for a couple of years. Whereas investors on Wall Street proper saw a struggling retailer, Wall Street Bets saw an underdog mm-hmm. and piece of a gaming childhood. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the big things. Like, that's one of the things that we tend to talk about a lot on the show in many different forms. You know, like the movie theater, for instance. Like, we've talked about how we don't want to see the movie theater go bankrupt. You know, we've already seen one of the big three go under. We've seen another one close to, go, to going under. We're not sure if they're going to make it or not. But that's one of the things that we've always enjoyed as kids. You know, we always loved going to the theater. We love that physical location. We love the experience of going to a movie theater. It's no different than what they're talking about here. So enter Wall Street Bets. Hi. <laughs> have you looked at their Reddit page, Steve? I have not, Russ. There, there's, there, I have heard there is a ton of comment. There is. There is a lot of commenting on there. Um, It is pretty impressive. I I went on there to to check out what was going on. I found out about it through some of the the news outlets because they were places like CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, a ton of them. Like they, they started to actually cover the story. Yeah. And it was really funny because you see these talking suits who clearly don't play games. And they, you could tell, like, like as the name GameStop exits their lips, like, they're kind of bewildered and kind of, like... <laughs> GameStop? <laughs> yeah, like... People like, play video games now! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, that, so it was definitely entertaining to see that, but that's how I ultimately uh, got introduced to um, these guys <clears throat> called Wall Street Bets. And so... Um, it's pretty impressive. They have 8.6 million members on this single Reddit group. It's a lot of people. It is a lot of groups, uh, a lot of people there, Steve. Um, so apparently they are the driving force behind the, um, the meteoric or meteoric. How do you say that? Meteor, meteoric? What the, the fast rise meteoric. Is that how you say it? It's a sure meteor. Was. And it's going really high, really fast. <laughs> Meteoric. Meteoric. Yeah. That. Meteor. I don't know. Anyway, I'll, I'll have to think of a better word. A meteor that's coming down to the velocity <laughs> that it's going up and moving on. <laughs> so anyway, um, the biggest success story from these folks over at Wall Street Bets is this guy. I can't say his actual username. Family friendly. Yeah, it's, uh, he goes by the username Deep Effing Value and you can guess as to what that word that starts with letter F means. <clears throat> um, anyway, he's one of the biggest success, uh, success stories uh, okay. on Wall Street Bets. Try saying that three times fast. Who regularly updates the subreddit on the price of his option which has fluctuated. It looks like it got as high as $13 million. In fact, I think I saw one um, link in particular that was talking about how it reached $25 million. And in, in his case, 
I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's, I think they said it's him, his, him. I think, I think, I believe it was a man, but, um, when it came to that, um, his story goes where he, apparently he took $50,000 and invested it into GameStop in 2019 when it was at $3 a share. And he's kept it in there all this time. And it's just amazing. I, I, don't, I don't know if he ended up selling or if he still has the stock or whatnot, but it was just crazy to see that. Um, I, I, it blows my mind. I mean, it's really, it's it, those types of stock stories are coming up more and more just within the past few years. I mean, we saw how Tesla stock really just went up like crazy. I used to own Tesla stock and then I sold it to buy a house. Well, good for you. <laughs> so, um, okay. So we've introduced wall street bets. Now there has also been financial damage to short seller hedge fund called Melvin capital. Yeah. I have never heard of this business until I started doing this research on not surprise. Uh, apparently it was reported to have closed out of its GameStop position after requiring nearly $3 billion in external financing to help stabilize its fund after a few shorts fell through, one of which was GameStop. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. Because it sounds to me like they are definitely one of those institutional investors. And all of these folks who are on this uh, this Reddit or subreddit of Wall Street Bets are retail investors. They're, ju- they're just average folks like average you and me. Shows. And they've all banded together. Well, more like me than you. Oh, yeah. oh okay. okay. <laughs> uh, but they've, they've banded together and have... Uh, really stuck it to some of the, these uh, institutional yeah. investors that were were banking literally on shorting the stock and running the stock into the ground. And so it, it's it's fascinating to see kind of the contrast here because on the one hand, you have these these institutional investors that, I mean, to them, it's just another day on Wall Street, right? Like they, they look for different deals and they look for ways to be able to short stocks that are struggling and everything sure. else because they want to make money at the end of the day. But then you have this formidable group of people who have stepped forward and have said, hey, we don't want you to, to you know, pulverize GameStop into the ground and have them go out of business. We want them to stay in business, but also we see it as a means to be able to try and make some good coin out of this. So, so from their perspective, it's like there is sentimental feeling involved. There's also this this feeling of like not letting the man you know, do whatever he wants to do. And then there's there's also this third part of it, which is like this tribal uh, community where like like they want to try and get each other's backs and it, they're, they're, they're not like these Wall Street pros. And so it's really interesting how all of those different components play into them buying and holding. But short selling the stock doesn't necessarily mean that you're pulverizing the company. In a sense, I mean, I, I can't really go into the specifics on what the exact definition means, but if you're buying the stock, you're supporting the company in the hopes the stock is going to rise. Right. If you're shorting the stock, you are basically betting that the stock price is going to fall. Right. That And that is more of a, a arbitrary look at how the two work, 
However, when it comes to institutional investors, the strategy, which is a different thing entirely for them, is they want to get that price down to zero as much as possible because essentially they're betting the stock is going to go down and thus fail. Right. And if they do that, then they go. They get tons and tons of cash. That there are are um, Wall Street billionaires such as George Soros, who really were kind of he was kind of the godfather of this this type of um, approach to to making money in stocks. And so it's yeah, I think it depends on like ultimately what you're wanting to do. If you're if you're betting the stock will go down and that's it, but you don't want the stock to necessarily fail and you know have the company go bankrupt or something. That is un, a bit more understandable and different as opposed to these other places that, I mean, they have like a history. They have a reputation for doing yeah. that sort of thing. It's kind of like if you're betting on two different fighters, in a sense, and one of the fighters gets like stabbed in the leg <laughs> because you, you, you want to ensure that he loses. <laughs> you're like, oh, we lost. We just gained a bunch of money. <laughs> Who would have thought? Oh, okay. Hey, good job. Good job. Good job, bro. <laughs> Champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Why is my nipple showing through my wet t-shirt? Yeah. Oh, I need to change the clothes. <laughs> I don't care though. I'm happy and rich. <laughs> so, okay. So it gets even more interesting after that, after um, describing who Wall Street Bets is. Mm. So they end up buying a bunch of stock. They continue to buy and they hold and they're not giving up. And so what ends up happening is, is they, they end up causing a bunch, bunch of the, these uh, institutional investors who have shorted the stock to squeeze them to the point where they have to cover their positions. And so that's what happened with, with places like Melvin Capital is suddenly they realized that they had not anticipated any kind of scenario like this before. And as a result, they, that's why they had to find some sort of external third party to bail them out, basically, to the tune of $3 billion with a capital B dollars. I mean, that's just crazy that the retail investors had that level of power. And it's, it's, it's fascinating because, like, if you, were, if you look at... Um, the Wall Street Bets Reddit page. I mean, like, it's literally like like the way they talk, it totally reminds me of the movie Wolf of Wall Street. Like when Leonardo DiCaprio's character, um, is, you know, Jordan Belfort is going in for on his first day at the job and um he starts hearing how these people talk and how they're cussing up a storm and everything. It is literally like that, but it's just written out. And like, I mean, everybody's just as passionate, just as hyped up. And just as crass, it was the funniest thing going through this. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is like straight out of Wolf of Wall Street. Well, didn't uh, this hedge fund company, didn't they end up like purchasing stock regularly to catch it on the, the price rise in order to compensate and cover for the short sale losses that were, they were going to incur? I don't know. Because that's what I heard. What happened is they 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 bet that the stock was going to be so short, but then the stock price started rising really high, and so then they go, "Oh no! Like we're going to lose tons if we don't start to cover what." We're, I mean, if they if they say the stock is going to go reach bottom of fifty cents, let's say, mm -hmm. but then it reaches to like four hundred dollars, they are going to lose a a lot, a lot, and so they end up going, "Okay." Well, we'll buy as the stock is climbing up. And so if we if we sell out both positions, hopefully we'll still make it out on top. 
I have not seen any articles on that. I'll have to take a look and maybe if you, if you have time, look and see if that's the case. The only thing that I found was that they were only shorting the stock and, but then they realized, Oh, we're not gonna be able to cover this. And that was a big issue. So now we get into the shenanigans part <sighs> and this is where it gets even weirder. Yes. So on, I believe it was January 27th, um, the Wall Street Bets Discord server. So they, they have both a Reddit page and that they're on Discord. Um, the uh, the Wall Street Bets Discord server had been banned, not because of financial fraud related to GameStop or other stocks, but because it has continued to allow hateful and discriminatory content after repeated warnings, according to Discord, which was very like passionately rebuttaled against uh, from the folks over at uh, Wall Street Bets, we're like, this is messed up. This is wrong. Like, like we've had our server up here. Not to mention the fact that I think he said something along the lines of like, oh, what was it? Like, two hundred fifty thousand new people came on um, to the to the server like every day, and as a result, like, like you know, the, the way the Discord servers work is that as you get more people, they open up more servers for you. They said they had to open up like a thousand new servers for just this group. And, um, and so it goes on, like, like the discord was quoted as saying today, we decided to remove the server and its owner from discord for continuing to allow hateful and discriminatory content you after suck. repeated warning. No, you suck. No, you suck more. <laughs> <laughs> Hate speech. So that was crazy. And then what's even weirder too, is that also Reddit has like, like the, their, their Reddit page also went down temporarily. Um, and they were saying how like there was a notification that said Reddit is currently experiencing outages during this time and everything else. So essentially what's happening is their forms of communication were halted because what was driving this price up and was driving more people to this cause, so to speak, was um, the avenues that the channels of communication well, if, if, if the gatekeepers shut those down, how are you going to communicate with each other as to what your strategy is going to be? <laughs> I just was going to say that. <laughs> it's, it, you know what, you know what it's, it's, it's gone to? Is it's gone to a bunch of like big rich cats. Yes. All talking about like, like the 1% of the 1% basically, all having a, a big powwow in a cigar room. <laughs> with some fine, like, vodka or something. They're like, you know what we should do? Mm. <laughs> short stop, or short stop, short sell, excuse me. Short sell something of insignificance. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> uh, let's uh, do this uh, nerdy, geeky game stuff, right? Um, yes, wouldn't you say so, uh, <laughs> Robert? <laughs> <laughs> Emirate. And, and then they go, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Well, I do believe, Brucey, there's <laughs> the, the rabble <laughs> is squeezing me. I called I was about to purchase my seventh <laughs> castle in Oxford, <laughs> England with that money, and now it's gone. <laughs> and, so, and so what's happened now is... Instead of that that one conversation happening in this one itty bitty secluded, very nice, wealthy room, has now gone to hundreds of thousands of living rooms, and then they go, "Oh, we're just having a conversation. 
it's 2021 and we're just going to talk about it, you know? And so everyone yeah. goes, hey, we're going to band together and we believe in this stock. And so therefore we're just going to buy the crap out of it. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, you can't really say they did anything wrong because everyone's just wanting to support GameStop or AMC or, you know, whoever else is going to be struggling. So, hey, one side's betting one way, the other side's betting the opposite. What are you going to do? One side lost. Yeah. Well, and see, it starts to get even more shady after that because then um, stock trading apps have seemingly begun. And this was right around January 28th. So the next day it was reported that these apps have seemingly begun limiting the purchase of GameStop, AMC, and other recently volatile stocks. I don't know if you had a chance to look at those links or not, but they talk about how popular uh, financing apps such as Robinhood, which I have. I have that app. I, I never liked Robinhood from the get-go. I don't use it, but I, I am, I'm familiar with the app itself. Um, apparently, they closed it down. Like, like you were unable to buy GameStop stock right. from their platform. Right. I mean, think about that. I know. Um, it's crazy because... It, they, they came out to say on the 28th that they will now let users sell the stock, uh, but not buy them uh, displaying a message saying, quote, this stock is not supported on Robinhood, which it just it used to be like it was just a, a, the day before that's in fact, a lot of the folks who are part of this Reddit group use Robinhood, right? And so they're going in wanting to buy more stock and they can't, and they're going, Oh my goodness, what is happening? I can't get to my stock. It, like it, they literally say it's not available or it doesn't exist. But then shortly after that, it says, Oh, well, no, 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 it's, it's there, but you just can't buy it. You, you, you just have to sell it. You have to sell it. You can't buy it. Sell it. Well, apparently it was found out that like, there was some sort of like really shady backdoor stuff going on between Robin hood and the institutional investors. And it hasn't been like brought fully to light yet in terms of like how, like who's involved in stuff like, like it's real murky. And so, you know, I, I would, I would venture to say at this point, it's kind of a combination between like hearsay and speculation, that sort of thing. But, um, and also I'll, I'll throw in there too. I just, I, there are literally so many articles on this going out. I, I'm like, I can't, I have a, I can't digest all this stuff. So like, you know, if, if you happen to find more on that, let me know. Well, I watched a, a Yahoo finance, uh, interview with Vlad Tenev. I'm not even sure I'm saying his name right, but the CEO of Robinhood. And he's being very tight-lipped and very methodical in how he's answering the questions. And credit to the Yahoo finance team. Like, they really were going, okay, you're spinning it. Yeah. Like, really, like, we want you to be specific. And so what he was alluding to is, A, that they're thinking of going public. And so they're really trying to PR this thing the best way they can without getting too much trouble because that would affect their public, you know, IPO. And then the other thing is that, he was saying, well, he got a call like at three in the morning from like the securities commission or something yeah. saying that, hey, this is what's happening and <laughs> you need to, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you, you are going to need uh, like th like a, a, an injection of $3 billion into your 
uh, basically liquid capital for people buying and selling. And so he went like, I don't have that kind of cash. What can we do? And so the powers that be said, if you stop, and I might not, I'm, I'm trying to remember the entire interview, but basically if you can restrict purchases of certain stocks, then you won't have to put in $3 billion. You can just put in like $700 million. So $700 million versus $3 billion, they chose the lower amount of money and therefore they had to restrict the stock. That how does that make any sense? How that makes any sense? I don't know. This is weird. Um, so I have some more notes on this. Um, other trading solutions such as Schwab, TD Ameritrade, and Trading212 have similarly limited the purchases on that day. So there again, there is this weird thing where you have these various tech companies um, operating in concert with each other and executing in lockstep simultaneously. And people are saying, hey, this is wrong. Like, this is not cool at all. Um, and in fact, this is really kind of downright evil in terms of like, wait, so, you know, it's okay to like, buy when, when there's no special interests involved. And now that there are special interests who are on like the, the receiving end of, of, uh, a bad bet, basically that now, now we have some, uh, some pulling of the levers and, uh, switches. changing of the rules. Yeah. We're like now in, in, you know, when, when I look at this stuff, for instance, like with Robin hood and others saying, Oh, well you can sell the stock, but you can't buy it. Well, that's because, if all of those folks were to sell their stock, then suddenly the folks are not being squeezed from the financial institutions because now the price is going down. down it's right. going back. And then therefore more money is going back to the coffers of the institutional investors. That's what's nuts. That's what actually I think really caused a fire with this particular group is that it went from them just having this childhood fond memory of GameStop to now saying, hey, they're trying to screw us over. Like, we need to band together and we need to teach them a lesson kind of a thing. This is not right. Like, this is unfair practice. Right. Which, if you kind of think about it, Robin Hood, as the figure, would steal from the rich to give to the poor, the really poor and needy, and Robin Hood, their <laughs> position is like, hey, we're, we are the stock company for like the retail average Joe because we don't have, we don't charge a commission with the stock that you want to buy. So like, you know, I'm, if I buy stock through E-Trade, it's only nine bucks, you know, so whatever. I could spend 500 bucks on the stock and the commission is still the same, $9. But Robin Hood says, we won't even charge you that. So it's going to be free. And so, um, <laughs> so... <laughs> But when, when when this happens, it totally flips it on its head and goes, "Yeah, we're um, our favorite. We're favoring the rich guy, and we're taking from the poor guy." Yeah, it's very ironic. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? what on earth? Yeah, it, this is um, their their blog page, and you can see on the same day, January twenty eighth, um, they they spun a story here, and it's like our mission at Robinhood is to democratize finance for all. We're proud to have created a platform that has helped everyday people from all backgrounds shapes their financial future and invest for the long term. Yada yada yada, so on and so forth. So their whole thing is is 
they're they're playing off the idea like, oh, there was just so much volatility that we have to try and and, and make sure that no one uh you know, loses too much money kind of thing. You know, that's why we're committed to providing people with educational resources, you know, like going through like, like some of the stuff trying to virtue signal and, and claim that they're so noble. Um, <laughs> you know, he's like, we're committed to helping our customers navigate this uncertainty. We fundamentally <laughs> believe that everyone should have access to financial markets. We're humbled to have helped many people invest in the markets for the first time. It's it's just crazy, like how they're they're doing these PR spins, trying to make it sound like they're on the up and up. When in fact, it's like no, your actions have spoken louder than any kind of blog post you can make, and you've pissed off over eight million people. Yeah. <laughs> on a more positive note, though, some of the folks who have done well for themselves to when you when they sold their GameStop stock, right. They have gone back and purchased, you know, Nintendo Switches and some game systems. I sent you the link earlier. I, it was kind of late in the game, but um, they have then donated these systems to like children's hospitals, right? And stuff, which I think is pretty freaking awesome. I mean, almost like sticking it to the man even more. Like I'm just a humble Joe, and I made like maybe fifteen hundred bucks, but I went to get you know, five Nintendo Switches and donate them, but you're, you make $5 million and maybe you did that. Maybe you didn't. Yeah. It says here, <laughs> the article you're referring to says one investor who wished to remain anonymous delivered 10 Nintendo Switches purchased from GameStop locations around the Dallas Fort Worth area to medical city children's hospital Thursday. The investor said his efforts were made possible by GME, which is the stock ticker for GameStop gains. Wall Street has been rattled this week by an organized campaign by small investors to take on large hedge funds by driving up shares of Grapevine-based GameStop, which, by the way, by the way, uh, Grapevine is in Texas as well, um, and GameStops is uh, their GameStops is GameStops <laughs> GameStops and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> their main HQ is located in Grapevine, Texas. Um, the campaign started on Reddit and it goes on to talk about like, like how this whole thing got started and other discussion boards as small investors encourage each other to buy GameStop stock, forcing the bigger players like hedge funds to cover their bets by buying the stock, increasing the price even further. So yeah, I'm glad that you came across that. Um, because it's, it's nice to see good, um, good, good stories like that. Yeah. Uh, admits so much volatility and negativity and, and, and everything else. So that brings us to the aftermath. Um, so we saw how the stock price and, and, it, and I've been seeing different numbers, but it's basically the high that it got to was like between 350 to $386 somewhere around there. Um, and then I checked it today just out of curiosity to see what was happening. Cause I noticed that there was um, kind of a double peak that was happening um, and was actually pretty surprised to see that the price has actually gone back down. And it's currently as of today, $53 and 50 cents. So, I mean, just looking at where it was just five days ago, which was around $349 a share, it has gone down quite a bit. Um, and so my hope is that, the, the folks who were investing, who put a lot of money in there, I hope that, that you all have made 
a tidy profit, nice return on your investment. If there are those of you who are still holding and seeing if there's going to be another bounce back, it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I personally don't think that this story is, is done. I think that there, there is more to this story. And that's why I kind of sat on it for a week. We were talking about the idea of possibly having this be our topic of the day last week. But I was thinking, I think there's more to this. Let's just see it play out a bit more and then we'll talk about it the following week. And having, like I said, having said that, um, I think that there's more to it. I think that that's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But I can say, I think that the, that the institutional investors are adjusting their strategy moving forward with GameStop. Well, I think a bunch of people have learned some lessons. I think that maybe some people who haven't invested in stock before know a little bit about the game that's played. I think the big boys know about the realities of people who have money and can band together and can really push them out of the way. And I think that, um, you know, one, one more thing I wanted to say is that I did read a little bit on Reddit where the folks, there are some folks who do know about in stock investing and they were saying, hey, don't sell right away. Because I think if you don't have much experience in the market and you think the stock is falling, you think you are losing money. When actually you don't lose money until you decide to sell the stock, right. whether it's here, like up high or here down low, that's when you gain or lose. And so I think maybe some people got nervous. Some people wanted to cash out early because, you know, they they saw the numbers and I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> at that point. But um, but I think people are, are getting nervous and selling. But there, a lot of folks are saying, hey, hold on to it as long as you can if you're still making money because... You know, if if you've bought high and you sell low, you're losing. If you've bought low and now and you sell high, of course, you're making money. But what's interesting, too, to note is that there were far more people involved and invested in this than just the Wall Street Bets Reddit group. I know people. I work with people who invested in GameStop stock who are not affiliated to my knowledge at all. Right with this particular Reddit group, but still share the same kind of convictions and beliefs. And, and uh, it's really interesting to see and listen to um, what drove their motivation to purchase the stock in the first place. One of my colleagues, um, we when I got to work one morning, this was all kind of happening. I'm like, you know, whatever, I'll figure it out later in the day. <laughs> Just give me a cup of coffee. Uh, but she had... Uh, bought, she, I, you know, she got some birthday money at some year, you know, in the past. And she goes, oh, you know, and, and I thought, got a quarter. <laughs> I got a quarter. What should I buy with it? Uh, <laughs> and so she thought, I really like GameStop. Well, I'll just buy a couple shares and, you know, whatever. And she said, I mean, this was years ago. This wasn't even in like 2019. This was pre-2019. And she said she bought like two shares and forgot all about them. But she <laughs> bought them like at, like, <laughs> like maybe two bucks. I mean, who knows? I mean, she probably spent like two, like 10 bucks and, and bought some shares. And, um, just because, you know, she wanted to dabble in the stock market a bit and she forgot that she did it until today. And then the person who told her about it said, Hey, you should check your stock. <laughs> and so, I mean, she, I mean, I think she, I don't know. I forgot how much she made. I really, I really didn't want to ask about it. I mean, I think she made between like 500 and a thousand bucks. Well, you know, that's 500 to a thousand more dollars than she had. So, yeah, I think that, that when it comes to many people who have been a part of that ride, I, I sincerely do hope that they have made a nice return on their investment. And I, I think it's cool, too. Like, like, I think obviously I'm biased because I'm a gamer, but I think it's so cool how 
a stock that's associated with a company known as GameStop became front page news. It was like on the, the collective consciousness or, or uh, conscious of everybody, whether you're into games or you're not into games. And it was really cool because I think gaming it's weird to think about, but like gaming is still this thing that has somewhat of a stigma associated with it. Like if you're into video games, people are like, Oh, he's into games or she's into games. He hasn't bathed in weeks. And the thing is, is like, <laughs> we are awesome people. Like we, we rock. We, we, we are fun. We have great personalities. We yeah. like to have a good time. And not to mention the industry itself is a multi-billion dollar a year industry. We've eclipsed Hollywood. Right. We as a gaming industry make more money every year, year over year than Hollywood by tens of millions of dollars. And I would say billions of dollars. It's just, it's a weird thing when like you get in a room with someone who doesn't play games and, and not only do they not play games, they kind of despise games. They kind of like, you know, thumb their nose toward gamers. You're like, dude, what's that about? <laughs> oh, this is kind of weird. <laughs> Going back to the aftermath portion of this, because I have some more stuff I want to share with you. Uh, so going back to Robin Hood. Right. Robin Hood is now in a class action lawsuit. Right. Um, so this is kind of a, a big deal in, in, unto itself. So in a suit filed in, in the Southern District of New York, the plaintiff claims that Robin Hood, quote, purposefully, willfully, and knowingly removed the stock um, GME from its trading platform. Oh, excuse me. It was a little gas. Oh, nice. Um, in the midst of an unprecedented stock rise, thereby depriving retail investors of the ability to invest in the open market and manipulating the open market in mm -hmm. quote. So um, people's attitudes toward the economy of what happened will be forever changed. Um, it's, and, and, you know, looking through, you know, you can you can see this. This is uh, public access because it's it's a lawsuit. So um, there's a lot of uh, information in here that depicts it. But I think it, it goes to show you that Robin Hood is not out. <laughs> I just realized Robin Hood is not out of the woods yet, Steve. Oh, uh, and I think Robin Hood could really use Little John right now in order to uh, help itself out. If you know what I'm saying, Steve, or John Little. <laughs> Oh, uh, but anyway, there are multiple pages here. I think there's something like, what is it, like 10 pages? Nine pages. Ah. So plenty of stuff to kind of thumb through. If you've, if you've got a, some free time and you feel like looking at what is what, you can take a look at all that good stuff. Good material to read while you're on the can, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> or trying to go to sleep. <laughs> Um, I, I thought that was funny. You didn't think it was funny? Uh, I thought it was hilarious, Steve. Really good. Uh, knee slapper. So another side of this aftermath is the fact that people's attitudes toward our economy of what happened, I think will forever be changed as a result of what went down. Um, it's one of those, those deals where you can't unsee what you just saw. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like, when you look at the financial institutions, they essentially like took their mask of being like fair and like uh, upstanding, you know, I'm just really good at my job kind of thing. It's like, no, that, that facade got ripped away and we all got to see the boogeyman. 
Well, it's not, kinda, but it's like it's one of those things where like you see you see fraud and you see corruption. You know, you see someone who gets special treatment and have certain connections to make sure that they can keep their thumb pressed on the little guy. We are all the little guys. And the instant that the little guy actually starts to win, then this thing happens. And it's just like, wow. And we see it time and time again. And you hear stories here and there. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, it's unfortunate, whatever. But like, I feel as though we're kind of on the precipice of, of seeing, I think largely due to how fast information travels these days. You know, we have social media and we have um, all these different methods of being able to garner information and communicate that with each other in a way that causes things like stocks to rapidly shift from one way to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. So what do you think about that? No, I think the power is with the people. And people know how to communicate nowadays. And it, I think it really depends on, you know, if you're really into something and you find a lot of people who are in the same thing as you are and you don't want to see that fail. Well, by golly, you have means to do so. <laughs> <laughs> there are uh, some other things I wanted to also cover. Oh, um, One of the things is, is that even the Biden administration was asked about this whole thing because of the fact that, hey, there are some pretty shady dealings going on mm. on Wall Street. Do you have any kind of like uh, recourse or, or um, movement as to like trying to hold these people responsible? You know, what's going on? And I, I watched the press conference. They responded by saying how they have the first female treasury secretary. Followed by a come on, man. I'm just kidding. No, but like that, that was literally, that was what they responded to the question with. It had nothing, there was nothing in the response that had to do with the fact that, hey, there are different um, platforms like Robinhood and others that are totally like in the the institutional investor's pocket or even the, the fact that, that you have these, these investors who are... <laughs> Let, let, I mean, maybe there should be a hearing about it or something because this is kind of a big deal. You know, I don't know. There's just a lot of that, too, where you're like, okay, why is there a tone deafness coming from the government on something as serious as this? I, I hope it just doesn't turn into is, like, if, if you are, let's say you have, a, your hobby is to trade stocks on your own time and you're doing your due diligence and you're finding out the, the, the financial articles and you're doing your research and you buy and sell responsibly and maybe you do very great at it. Yeah. I don't want there to be like new regulation that monitors what those people do. Cause those people are just like the regular guys who have just done great at trading and they're not the corrupt you know, fat cats who are smoking stogies and <laughs> fine vodka and, you know, the middle of mansions. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want there to be, like, I don't want, if this goes to Congress and new regulation, like, I don't want everybody to have, like, these new monitored rules that they have to report to. I, I, I hope this just doesn't go over the deep end. One of the things that I took a look at, because I was trying to figure out, like, like what is this movement that we're noticing? Because we're seeing more and more of this where you have... Uh, people who who are just trying to band together to to um, have some sort of voice 
in, in any kind of capacity. And so I looked up the word populism uh-huh. and I have it here. It's, you know, that there are um, a number of, of different definitions to it, but it's, it says that populism is any of various often anti-establishment or anti-intellectual political movements or philosophies that offer unorthodox solutions or policies and appeal to the common person rather than according with traditional party or partisan ideologies. The second uh, definition here says it's a, it's a grassroots democracy, working class activism. Um, and there's a word there. I have no idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's like egalitarianism. I don't even know what that means. Uh, the third definition for uh, populism is representation or extolling of the common person, the working class, the underdog. And finally, the fourth uh, is the political philosophy of the People's Party. The first three, I think, really hit the nail on the head with regards to what happened here because you have working class people who are coming together. And I mean, it's not, it's not just exclusive to working class, but like, you know, you, you have um, folks from all walks of life who are considered retail investors, right? Mm. And so them being able to go through and, and band together and um, have this opportunity where it's like, wow, like they're winning. It's, you know, I think that, that this is not going to be the only instance of this. And I think going back to what we just talked about, about how now that we've seen wall street reveal kind of more of its sinister side. Um, I don't think this is going to be the, the last time we see this. I think that there's going to be more of this and there's going to be more of a conviction when it comes to motive being motivated to do this sort of thing, just simply because people realize, Hey, this is a rigged game. This is not cool. Yeah. So one other thing I thought was fun to be able to talk about with regards to this whole situation is that I was on the uh, deadline website and um, deadline was was reporting that MGM has acquired the book proposal, the anti-social network from the New York times bestselling author, Ben uh, Mesrick. This book will look at um, telling the story of a ragtag group of amateur investors, gamers, and internet trolls who brought wall street to its knees so it's, it's really interesting because I think, if I'm not mistaken, these are the same people who um, worked on the, um, the social network. I'm not exactly sure if that's right or not, but um, there, there's plenty of, of stuff in here that, that, that where they, they talk about it. So anyway, it sounds like they, there may be a movie made out of this. Quite possible, Ross. I think I've, I've th- I'm not sure if I saw that. That's not the article I saw, but I did read something that said that they were plan on making a movie out of it. What are your concluding thoughts about this whole situation? Well, Steve? Russ, I think, I, I, I think, I, I think, therefore I am. Therefore I am. You know, I gave my concluding thoughts and you said you had one more thing you had to say. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that oh, those were your concluding okay. thoughts. Okay. I was like, okay, one more thing. And then one more thing after that. I'm like, I'm just going to, okay, whatever. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Oh man. Just like Steve Jobs, I, I, I promise that was my last thing. Yeah, my one, was, my one last thing, Steve. Jeez, one more thing. What did they say? One, there's one more thing. One last thing. One last thing. Oh, they said. Thank you. Steve. One last thing, and everybody went. <gasps> <gasps> you know, I um, you know, I think that everybody should invest. I think investing is good. 
I think everybody should do their homework. And I think if you believe in something, you should support it and you should invest. In it. If it's something that you think um, will grow and you believe in it, because it, it makes it the, the, the research that much more fun. Like we like games. So why not support games and game companies? I mean, there's game studios that are sold on the New York Stock Exchange and mm. you know, whatever, whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I also think that, yes, there are some people who are so high and mighty that they want to stay high and mighty, almost like the too big to fail theory. Oh, you know? remember Occupy oh, Wall Street? Remember, 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 yeah. Heard that whole fiasco? Yeah. Fiasco, I say. So... You know, I I think there's power in numbers, and I think if everyone's <laughs> trying to do, you know, it's like a bunch of ants taking on a there's line. There's more you know than one saying? person. It's called a couple. Uh, and there's two people in this room right now. <laughs> so um, first there was one. <laughs> now there's two. And it's going to grow from there, Rush. <laughs> it's going to grow from there. Well, thank you for that, Steve. Thank you for that, indeed. I agree, though. I think that when it comes to the stock market, it is a wonderful instrument uh, for people to be able to make more money, especially considering the fact that savings accounts really aren't yielding anything worthwhile anymore. They haven't for some time. No. And especially with the value of the dollar going down constantly, you need to have some way of maintaining its current value, and stocks actually are a way of doing that. Mm. I think it's unfortunate that this is yet another example of, oh man, how what hard else? it is that the retail investors have it. Because they really do. Like we, we don't understand, I think, how, like we, we can have these little wins, right? Like, oh, I made $1,000. Oh, I made, you know, I don't know. Free cup of coffee. $5,000, you know, whatever it is. But like <laughs> when, when it comes to like the big money, it's, it's crazy. And I've heard this several times over the past 30, 40 years where you have these, these instances where like, like you could even be the opposite, mm. you know, Wall Street's like, oh yeah, keep bringing in your money. It's okay. You know, you keep, keep buying your money, keep, keep buying stocks and stuff. And then when it comes time to sell, if there's a particular stock that's selling like crazy because of whatever reason, then there are these methods where um, they prevent you from selling your stock. And you're just like, dude, all I want to do is sell my stock. I can't even do it. And you're watching the stock price go down at a rapid clip. Again, I mean, th th that's just one more example. There are lots there. And I just, I really feel as though there needs to be better oversight when it comes to Wall Street. I think that um, there are all kinds of shady backdoor deals and, and connections, even with the gatekeepers and platforms of these various stock um, institutions. I, it's man, it's, it's insane, but I, I don't want people to all of a sudden just lose hope on it just because I think there is a method to being able to, to make money fair and square. And I hope that there is going forward. I do think when it comes to GameStop that this has been, it must be crazy for the, uh, the board members of GameStop. I mean, can you imagine the meetings that they're, they've been no, having the past yeah. week? They're like, what is going on? <laughs> and who knows like how this is all going to play out. And, and it also doesn't even answer the question in a definitive way about, you know, what is the future of GameStop going to look like moving forward? Because you're still going to have people who are going to be buying digital copies of things. I think this was an instance where I think that they would have probably had their stock um, do well temporarily just because 
they sold a ton of units when it came to PS5 and Xbox Series X. Plus, people are starting to get a handle on COVID. I mean, people are getting the vaccines. The vaccines aren't going to stop anytime soon. People are going to feel more safe shopping, you know, being in crowds, going to you know the theater. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, it remains to be seen how this whole thing plays out. But uh, my goodness, what a crazy ride. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M, and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Uh, and not to mention the fact that it really helps us continue doing all of this fun stuff. So, uh, also you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you next week.